And the research we did showed that about 33% of male managers, which is three times what the number of female managers, 13%, think that gender balance efforts in the workplace have gone too far. And the second aspect that we found was that 62% male senior leaders believe that it's not important for them to have gender balance management teams at a senior level. They don't need them to cope with future challenges, whereas less than a third of female managers felt that way. So what you see is a gender divide. Men are clearly getting tired of talking about it. They think we've been there, we've done that, we've got the t-shirt, and yet the stats prove them otherwise. For example, in the UK, a decade ago, 40% of managers were women. That was in 2011. Now, bearing in mind that women are just over half the working population, you would expect that in a decade we would have made progress. But 10 years on, 41% of managers are women. And if we're going to have gender equality in the UK management ranks, we are still missing 560,000 female managers, most of whom are missing at the senior level. So we haven't made anywhere near the progress throughout organizations that we think we have. And yet there's already backlash. People are already getting tired of talking about it. And therein lies the problem because there's too much talking and not enough doing. I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace and beyond. Hi, everyone. As you know, I'm really hard at work writing my second book, which will be out next year, and I'm really excited to share more about this with you. Kelly and I have taken the last few weeks off just to catch our breaths, but we're now back to kick off the next few weeks of content until the summer break. Having had some time off to reflect on the status of DEI or diversity, equity and inclusion efforts in organisations, one thing's become really clear to me. Progress has stalled. And this isn't simply anecdotal. As you know, I love research and new research findings released by the Chartered Management Institute or CMI in the United Kingdom last month revealed a growing sentiment of fatigue towards DEI efforts. In the Manager's Pulse Point survey, CMI found that despite ongoing efforts and activity towards gender equality, workplace gender equity remains elusive. The research has revealed that employees, particularly men, are either passive about DEI efforts or they're actively resisting DEI efforts. These findings highlight for me the current state of DEI, which is fatigue. While there's been a huge amount of inequality awareness raising with movements like Me Too or the anti-racism work we've seen out of the United States, when all of this awareness is not met with tangible action, it creates feelings of exhaustion, isolation, frustration, and sometimes even skepticism about DEI. People from typically underrepresented groups experience all this DEI talk and no action as disengagement. But the reverse is true for people in dominant positions in workplaces, typically white men. They perceive all this DEI talk as action and engagement, and they believe the activity is underway to address these issues, even though very little has actually changed. So consequently, they feel left out 
and disengaged and disillusioned with DEI efforts because they believe too much focus and emphasis is being given to these topics. All the while, nothing changes. Overall, the CMI report found that not only are women more likely than men to think that not enough effort is being focused on ensuring a workplace gender balance is achieved, but also men are significantly more likely than women to have the opposite view and to feel that too much effort is being focused on this endeavour. That's 33% of men versus only 13% of women who reported they felt too much effort was being made on this front. A clear indication, say the CMI, of male backlash and resistance to gender equality. My immediate question when reading those statistics was, whether that backlash would be seen more keenly at the junior end of organisations by people experiencing the impact of DEI initiatives, but perhaps not having a hand or a say in shaping those initiatives? Not according to the CMI research. Worryingly, that showed that men in senior management positions, so the people who are in positions of power to advance DEI efforts, are significantly more likely than women in those senior management positions to feel that too much effort is being focused on ensuring a workplace gender balance is achieved. Joining us on today's episode is Anne Frank, Chief Executive of the CMI, to discuss their findings and to share why we need to fight DEI fatigue if we want to meaningfully advance diversity, equity and inclusion at work. The research we did showed that about 33% of male managers, which is three times what the number of female managers, 13%, think that gender balance efforts in the workplace have gone too far. And the second aspect that we found was that 62% male senior leaders believe that it's not important for them to have gender balance management teams at a senior level. They don't need them to cope with future challenges, whereas less than a third of female managers felt that way. So what you see is a gender divide. Men are clearly getting tired of talking about it. They think we've been there, we've done that, we've got the t-shirt, and yet the stats prove them otherwise. For example, in the UK, a decade ago, 40% of managers were women. That was in 2011. Now, bearing in mind that women are just over half the working population, you would expect that in a decade we would have made progress. But 10 years on, 41% of managers are women. And if we're going to have gender equality in the UK management ranks, we are still missing 560,000 female managers, most of whom are missing at the senior level. So we haven't made anywhere near the progress throughout organizations that we think we have. And yet there's already backlash. People are already getting tired of talking about it. And therein lies the problem because there's too much talking and not enough doing. It's a complex problem, just like there is no one silver bullet solution to getting gender balance. There's also no one silver bullet problem, if you like. So certainly one element of this is a feeling of resentment, a feeling that, hang on a minute, you're going to take my spot. So clearly that could be a concern for male managers. I think, secondly, there is a double-edged sword with the amount of talk that we have, the amount of events that we have, the amount of times it comes up in meetings. So, for example, one male engineer at a famous technology company said, 
G, we used to start every meeting off talking about the business. Now we start every meeting off talking about a diversity initiative. And I think that third element, so that's weary and overexposed. And I think that third reason is encompassed in that answer because really that gender diversity is a business project. It is about getting better business results. There is a very compelling case for it. And I think too few male managers have really understood that. And I think what we need to do is make sure that we are communicating and engaging with men to make them see that actually gender balance benefits everybody, including male managers. It results in better cultures, more opportunities, greater engagement. So it is a win-win, not a win-lose. And I think that that's the missing element responsible for a lot of that backlash. What happens when people experience DEI fatigue? Well, they come to resent DEI efforts. People believe either too much is being done or not enough. And this leads to resentment, which is what Anne means by the term backlash. One of the ways this shows up in workplaces is our old friend denial. When those in dominant groups in workplaces deny the challenges that people from typically underrepresented groups face, they believe that everything is being done to solve the issue, so any challenges people experience must be down to their own lack of capability. These discriminatory beliefs are the foundation for inequality because they make us blind to the barriers or different lived experiences people have because workplaces are set up to devalue difference. So the example you're referring to, just for your listeners, Aviva is a FTSE 100 insurance company. It's been led by a female CEO. I think she's been there two, maybe three years, and she's increased shareholder value by 40%. So clearly done a fabulous job. At her AGM, some older male investors confronted her and said, you know, you're not the man for the job. I mean, clearly misogynistic comments. The chair later on said he was flabbergasted by those comments. Now, what's the cost of companies not standing up to this? Well, quite simply, reputation and resources, because the companies that don't wake up to the fact that gender balance delivers better results, better culture, are going to struggle when it comes to attracting talent. They will struggle when it comes to retaining talent. And actually, they will eventually struggle to make better business decisions. So, It's going to catch up with them in the end. And companies that do understand that having greater diversity in their management leadership and indeed greater inclusivity are going to get better results. And that's what the data says. And they're going to attract better talent and their reputations will thrive. So there's a compelling commercial rationale for getting better gender balance in organizations. And the companies that don't do that will lose out. And by the way, the reason for some of those setbacks, it'll be because their clients will demand it or their customers will demand it. So it isn't only the employees, it's supply chain, the clients, the customers, the communities. So it really makes compelling business sense to make progress in this area. It's often easy to dismiss research findings because we don't know or we can't imagine how those findings might play out in real life. After all, seeing is believing. But the same week the report by CMI was released, The Guardian, along with many other news outlets, reported how the female chief executive of Aviva 
Amanda Blanc was subject to inappropriate comments from two individual shareholders at the insurer's annual general meeting in London. One commented that Amanda was not the man for the job and another questioned whether she should be wearing trousers. Aviva Chair George Culmer responded to those remarks saying that he was flabbergasted. And the following day on LinkedIn, Blanc, who's held a number of senior roles in insurance over 30 years, wrote this about her experience. The more senior the role I've taken, the more overt the unacceptable behaviour. What this example points to is the real-life danger of the fatigue denial cycle. And it doesn't just show up in investor meetings, it can show up in the workplace as well. A common story in many organisations goes something like this. Various efforts are made to move the dial on an inequality problem, but often that effort focuses on the marginalised groups only without engagement from the majority groups. Fatigue sets in for those people who hear the noise but don't see or understand the benefits. The fatigued people begin to deny the original problem and consequently resent the efforts and perhaps even resent the individuals they see as beneficiaries of those efforts and the original inequality problem becomes entrenched or even gets worse. Too many gender endeavours have focused on fixing the women and actually encouraged the women to get together and quote unquote, fix themselves. Now I'm saying that loosely, but it's about coming together, supporting each other and talking about the need to make progress. But if you do that, that don't include men, you are not going to be as successful in your endeavors because you're making men think, oh, it's another one of those women's groups. So it's absolutely vital that we include men. And there is some research that I've seen, and we had a conference last week and that research was shared I think 70% of the companies that include men get better results. And I think that's much more significant progress than those companies and programs that don't include men. So a very simple piece of advice to everybody to make gender progress is include men. And, you know, it takes time. You have to enroll them. You have to explain why it's better for everybody, engage them in conversations so that it isn't just the factual case. It's also the empathy case, the emotional case of understanding the barriers and microaggressions that are often unconscious that hold women back. And men calling other men out is also very powerful. So we need more of that. So like that Aviva chair that called out those investors, that was an AGM. But in everyday management and leadership circles, we need to do more of that. So a male colleague talking over a woman or taking her idea or making assumptions about what she does or doesn't want that are clearly gender biased. We need to just take that person aside. And if you're a man, you really should do this more often and just say, hey, you know, did you think about the impact of that remark? Because just tolerating it and saying nothing is making you complicit in the problem. Talk to them and ask them how they feel and listen to what they say. So why are they fed up? What is it about it that they find disconcerting, off-putting? And really, I think doing that on a one-to-one -one basis is really important or in small groups. So if you have, for example, a women's network, why not get each member of your network to bring along a male colleague and then have the conversation? Maybe ask each member of the network to approach a male colleague that they think has concerns outside of the networking situation first and have the conversation. With most issues around diversity and inclusion, there can be no better 
substitute than going out and talking to people, understanding their point of view, understanding their experience and where they're coming from. Because when we do that, we can connect on a human level and we can better understand what's driving the concern. And when we understand what's driving the concern, we're in a much better place to do something about it. And of course, the other thing you're doing when you're talking with people is you're making that human connection and you're listening to them and you're making them feel more valued and then they're much more likely to want to help you. Many studies have found similar results to the CMI research we've been discussing on the episode. If employees and especially senior leaders don't support DEI, then the behavioural change we need to tackle discrimination, exclusion and inequality simply won't happen. Instead, what you'll tend to see is a lack of time and resources dedicated to the systemic changes needed to improve DEI outcomes in a sustainable way. You may find senior leaders paying lip service to DEI efforts rather than owning and proactively furthering that agenda, so talking the talk, but not necessarily walking the walk. And this kind of environment can be fertile ground for the quick fix solutions focused on changing individuals to fit into workplaces that may then devalue or not appreciate their differences. Essentially squeezing square pegs into round holes rather than embracing the benefits of different shapes just as they are. In an environment like this, even the most enthusiastic among us will struggle to avoid and overcome a general lack of engagement in DEI initiatives. Fighting DEI fatigue starts with making people aware of the issue and then in holding senior leaders ultimately accountable for advancing the organisation's DEI priorities, not simply siloing this into human resources or DEI specialist teams who are there to provide advice and support delivery. Fighting fatigue also means doing the hard work to translate DEI initiatives into specific actions that every employee can take. And there's sometimes even harder work of ensuring those employees are each engaged in the role that they have to play in tackling inequality and enable to deliver that role in the moment every day. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a quick one before you go, if you love our podcast and you'd like more, then please hit subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Your support means the world to us. Thank you so much for tuning into our episode today. And if you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.